1: Well, hey there, family. I'm really excited that for the uh, next four weeks, we are going to be sharing with you our whole life philosophy of worship. Some of you have maybe never thought about what that could possibly mean. What is a philosophy of worship? Well, basically, we're going to tell you why we do what we do. And, uh, and we're going to tell you a little bit of some of the behind-the-scenes things, some of the conversations that happen. Uh, we're going to tell you a little bit about why you hear the music that you hear, why you see the things up here on the platform that you see. Um, you'll understand a little bit more why we use the language that we use in different ways and, and different things that we do. Um, and so uh, together, uh, Tammy, Richard, and myself will be telling you about our philosophy of worship. And so it's going to be a lot of fun especially since it's a dangerous philosophy of worship. So we're really looking forward to talking to you about that. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, uh, we invite you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit to be present in our hearts. We know that you want to say something to us. And so we want to hear it. Lord, each one of us has come in with a particular need, something on our heart, and today I pray that those needs would be filled by you. I pray that as I speak, they would be your words and not mine. If there's anything that I've prepared that isn't what you want, take it out, Lord. And I pray that each person would listen to what you have to say. We pray in your name. Amen. All right, so I have discovered something in Orlando that I had not had the opportunity to discover before. And uh, I grew up playing soccer. That's what we Americans call it. For those of you who are more civilized, it would be football, right? Um, And so I I love soccer, love playing it, Um, but I've never really lived in a a city that had a major league soccer team before. Uh, Nashville was kind of just getting started with its uh, soccer club when I left. And, and I had thought, oh, that might be interesting in watching. Well, when I got here, just f- I didn't really think much about it, you know, kind of getting busy, getting into the, the, the you know, everything that was going on. And then, and then Tomas, my friend, said, hey, the Pathfinders are going to go watch some Major League Soccer Orlando City play. You want to come? And I said, yeah, I want to come. And so that's where and I at the game. It was awesome. I would like to tell you that they won they won the game. I was, yeah, it was a good game. It was, it was a blowout. That game was a real blowout. So, and uh, I was there. I'm just saying. So, um, And then uh, I had another opportunity just a week or two ago, um, Decision Day. If you don't know what that is, you'll just have to look it up some other time. But Decision Day is a big game. Um, if, if Orlando City won, they, they went to the playoffs. If the team they were playing against won, they got into the playoffs. So one of them was going to playoffs. The other wasn't. I was also at that game. They won. You make your own decisions. The next week they played, again in the playoffs, I was not there. They lost. So uh, as you may have seen, we're uh, we're going to be doing an event at Exploria. I'll talk to you more at, at, near the end of the service about that. Exploria Stadium is where uh, Major League Soccer happens here in Orlando, and I was at an event at Exploria Stadium recently, and I got to go out on the field. Now, what was cool about this is I got to walk out on the field. It was literally just a few days after I had been at the Decision Day match. And so I, I, I kind of walked around the places where I'd seen them scoring. I kind of needed to do the you know, like that, and then went back to my old, my, the position I always played when I played soccer I was goalkeeper. I was pretty good, if I do say so myself. Um, not, now that I'm old and slow, I wouldn't work out so well. But I stood in the goal and thought about, you know, what it'd be like to be having guys shooting the ball at you that fast and breaking your wrists. Um, but uh, out on the field, almost makes me a player, yeah? Okay. Sure. Well, maybe that'll change your mind. How about that? Yeah. So, I'm just saying, that's me. That's the, uh, the, the, the cup that they won recently. Pretty cool, huh? U.S. Open Cup that they won. Now, I have to admit, I wasn't there for those games. So, okay. But that's still me with a picture with the cup right there. Pretty cool. So, uh, like I said... Two games, two wins. (laughs) So who do you think that cup means more to, me or the people that uh, played in the games? Yeah, that's, that's an obvious answer. What's the difference between me and the people who take care of the grounds? Or the person who takes care of the stadium? or the trainers that the weight train the weightlifting trainers for the players, the conditioning coach, their coaches, the players, what's the difference between me and them? Oh, now you're going to get quiet. What? You don't do all that stuff. <laughs> I don't do all that stuff. <laughs> hey buddy, I was there and they won both times, okay? <laughs> so you're like Exactly, thank you. Thank you. So so here's the difference. Can I I go ahead and make a suggestion to you? The difference is that I'm consuming a product and they're producing a product. The the commitment level is different. The danger is different. The most dangerous thing that could happen to me at that game, I suppose, I guess that in some soccer stadiums you could get trampled to death, so I guess that's dangerous, maybe, but not, not here. You know, biggest danger maybe is, I don't know, getting mugged dr- walking to the stadium or something, which I don't think that happens, so I don't know. And my point is just, there wasn't a whole lot of risk for me. But that grounds person, if they don't maintain that pitch in perfect condition, they'll be finding a new job. That, that conditioning coach, if the players are not conditioned they'll be finding a new job. If they can't figure out how to get along with the players, they'll be finding a new job. And the players, what about them? Well, every time they go play, they they put themselves at risk. People get hurt. People break bones. People get black eyes. People bleed. You see the difference? There's a huge difference between me and them. And as I stand with that, by that cup, there's a big difference in the feeling I have next to that cup, me thinking, oh, this will be a cool picture to show at church, <laughs> and a player who earned it, who, who sweated for it, the groundskeeper who knows what they had to do to create a pitch that that was perfect for playing environment. It's a big difference. Big difference. You're a smart group of people. You know where I'm going with this. When we start talking about worship, we often use worship as a noun when worship in its best form is a verb. It's the difference between producing and consuming. The best worship is a verb, but we like to use worship a lot, right? We say, we're going to have worship. We're going to a worship service. There's praise and worship music. There's a worship style. Worship was good today. Worship wasn't good today. Nouns. 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 my favorite definition from a dictionary of worship is the verb form. To ascribe worth, to give honor. To ascribe worth, to give honor. But that definition for me pales next to my very favorite definition that Paul gives. And here it is on the screen. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, speaking of God. All glory to him forever, amen. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. I plead with you to ascribe honor to worth because of all he has done for you. Let them be your bodies. Let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. That's the definition of worship. And you may hear it a little bit differently than the Romans heard this that Paul was writing to because I'm pretty sure most of you, let me just say that I really hope none of you have done an animal sacrifice. But all those Romans, they had done animal sacrifices. They'd seen them. They knew what an animal sacrifice looked like. Like I said, I hope none of us have done that. But they understood what it looked like to raise an animal to raise that animal, and then to slaughter it, to watch the blood come out of that animal, to watch that animal be, be consumed in fire, the smell. And so when they hear Paul saying, let, them be a, let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, that's not some little like, let's just skip over that quickly kind of thing. Oh, no, that's nice. That's not, let's go ahead and put $10 in the offering plate. That's total commitment. Total and complete commitment. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, you really want to know what true worship looks like? It's a complete commitment. Can I suggest that kind of commitment's dangerous? It's dangerous. And Paul embraced that danger He said, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. Remember, that's his worship to serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies, our sacrifice bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. You know, when we worship properly, we give honor to God, not just simply by the words that come out of our mouth, but by the people that we bring to Jesus. There is nothing that brings God greater pleasure than a person giving their life to him. And we have the awesome responsibility, the awesome opportunity to worship God best by being a part of that. So you're thinking, okay, I thought you were going to talk about worship services. We're going to talk about worship services. But we can't talk about our worship service if we think it's a a once-a-week event. That's a noun. It's a consumer viewpoint. If you come into this thinking this is about an event, as opposed to two things that I'm going to suggest to you, then you'll miss the richness that you can have in a worship experience. I want to suggest to you that our worship services serve two purposes. They are, number one, a community celebration, and number two, a community commitment. If nothing's happened over the last six days or week or month, what is there to celebrate? If there isn't commitment toward a goal, like that trophy you saw me standing next to, then what's the point? So what do I mean about that? I want to suggest to you firstly... The psalmist had it right. Oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love as we worship in your temple. We come together each week to meditate on God's unfailing love. And if you aren't paying attention to how that unfailing love is unfolding during your week, you're not worshiping. You're just singing songs that other people have put out about their worship experience, that living sacrifice of their life. Again, the psalmist said, I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks and makes the sound of a great celebration. This is a celebration, folks. It's not a funeral. There's a time for quiet and there's a time for joyous loudness. We have so much to celebrate. If you don't, go this next week and look for it. There's so much to celebrate. Even when life is going completely wrong, you can find things to celebrate that God is doing in your life. The next thing that I told you is that it is a commitment. It is a community commitment. You notice how I use that word community? Community. What did Jesus say? Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with you. You cannot count community out. Christian life is not a life of individualism. It's a life of community. Yeah, you go out and you live your life during the week, but even during that week, I hope you have community. And then what we do is we come together as a community. We celebrate as a community. By the way, Have there ever been weeks where you've come to church just completely empty and not feeling like you did have anything to celebrate because it felt like God has been a long, long, long way away from you? I'll be vulnerable with you for a minute. As a pastor, that happens to me. I won't tell you, but there are times I will come up here and feel completely empty. There's hurt, there's pain in my life. And I come up here and I know that God has put me here for a reason and I worship anyway. And you know what? You feed me. There's so many times that I have walked into a church and thought, I don't know how I'm gonna preach today. And the worship will just lift me up. And I'll be reminded that while I might feel dry and empty, there are other people that are experiencing God. And that I might feel dry and empty for a time, but God's gonna be there again for me. And I celebrate what you're celebrating your joy is my joy today. Your fullness is my fullness. You following me? We need each other. And then I'm reminded that I have to recommit. I have to recommit myself to God's will. With you, I'm reminded of that. And Corinthians 14, Paul does a order of service. By the way, if you want to read something interesting, go ahead and read it and, and ask yourself how many churches you've attended follow that order of service. I want to suggest you when you read it that it's not a, this is the way that every service must look, but a general idea of this is the way things can look. And the main point is this last little bit in, in verse 26 that says, whatever the service looks like, everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Strengthen you for what? If there's no danger in where you're going, what do you need to be strengthened for? Paul says that these church services are here to strengthen us together. They're here for us to be strengthened, to go out and live a life of dangerous worship. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, the age-old problem from God's people has been a misunderstanding of what worship is. Even in the Old Testament, they were dealing with this. Isaiah talks about it, Isaiah 58. They act so pious. They come to the church every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like they're righteous people that would ever abandon the laws of God. They asked me, by the way, pay attention to what the laws of God are as we go along. They asked me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We've been very hard on ourselves, and you didn't even notice it, God. I'll tell you why, God responds. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. God, I'm fasting, so you'll do this for me. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers, what good is fasting when we keep on fighting and quarreling? Oh, now it's getting real. This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. And that is both metaphorical and real. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help? Woo, it just got harder. When that happens, your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. You only get wounds when you're doing dangerous things, and all those things that were listed are dangerous things. (laughs) Helping relatives, dangerous. (laughs) Giving shelter to the homeless, dangerous. Taking money out of your budget to give food to somebody else, dangerous. Taking the chains off of somebody that you've been depending on to do things for you, and that's why you've kept them chained up, dangerous. But when you do it, when you live dangerously, God promises not that you won't get wounds, but that he will heal them. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. You gain a picture of what real worship looks like to God? Verb. Verb. It's action. It's action. But if you've never embraced this idea of worship, of total commitment to God, of worship not being something you do at 9.30 and noon on Saturdays at Whole Life Church or wherever you go to church on a regular basis, if you've always thought that worship was just confined to that, or at six or seven in the morning when you do your personal devotions, or at eight or nine o'clock in the evening when you do your worship, or during meals when you say grace, If those are the only times that you've thought that you are worshiping, God has something so much more for you. God says, I want you to worship me by the job you do at work, by the excellence that you put into the job that you don't enjoy doing. God says, I want you to worship me by putting your arm around a colleague who has lost a loved one without expecting them to sit and hear a Bible study on the state of the dead. God says an act of worship is feeding that person that is inconvenient to feed. It's helping that relative that is asking help for the 150th time, that one. I'm not talking about things I do good. I'm just talking about what God says. Because worship is dangerous when it's done as a verb. I think that my first real experience with dangerous worship, because always before, my worship for God was really confined to the things that I thought I was doing for God in church services. But my life was kind of separated out. I was always kind of ask God to bless my plans instead of asking him what his plans were that he wanted to bless. And I think for me, the first time that I really exp- experienced dangerous worship in a real way was in this picture. Um, this is me uh, on my last evening anchoring the six o'clock news. I was the political and uh, military correspondent for KUAM. I was the six o'clock news anchor. My co-anchor, Sabrina Salas Montanani, is sitting there beside me. You see Rochelle behind me holding Kyla. She's expecting Eric. You can see my two uh, videographers that I worked with the most uh, in the back, Mike and Don. These people were family to me. I love them. I love them to this day. And the hardest thing for me was i was hearing God say, Ken, I don't want you to stay in news. And I said, well, then what do you want me to do? And God said, I want you to move back to the States from Guam. And I said, well, that's great. What do you want me to do? And he said, yeah, just move back, and I'll let you know. And I said, God, that's crazy. I've got a wife. I've got a baby girl. I've got a son on the way. What do you got? Because I got to feed them, and I need to have health insurance. And my contract was expiring with the station. They said, time to renegotiate. What do you want to stay? And I said, well, Sean and I prayed about it. we said, we feel that God's telling us to move. And they said, that is a fantastic negotiating contract. Uh, Good job. Just tell us what you want. Don't be afraid. Just whatever you want, we want you to stay. I said, no, seriously, God's telling me to leave. You go, Come on, what do you want? You got, there's got to be something. Long story short, we knew God wanted us to leave, and we did. We literally sold everything but 25 boxes that we mailed back in the postal service. We moved with me having two job interviews. That was it. No, no guarantee. Because it was at that point when I really finally came to the decision that God could be trusted and that worship meant more than showing up to church on Saturday. It meant doing dangerous things. Paul says this about that. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Have you ever heard somebody say that God will never put more on your plate than you can endure? Lies. <laughs> Lies. It's not biblical. Just read that. Paul says, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we'd never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. Worship. And learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. See, God will put more on your plate than you can handle unless he's there to handle it with you. And God did rescue us from mortal danger. He will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. God has continually asked Rochelle and I and our family to do dangerous things. And I want you to know we've been wounded, we've been hurt. Sorry, I get a little choked up thinking about some of it. It's hurt, but if I had it to do over again, I'd do it over again because I know where I'm at today and I'm terrified to think of where I'd be at where I back there. God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing, but he asked me to worship dangerously. True worship is not safe. True worship isn't comfortable. True worship is dangerous. True worship is a complete giving over of your life to the one who gave you life. Each week at Whole Life, we gather here to celebrate a God who is faithful as we have worshiped him through the previous week. And we gather to recommit or to commit for the first time to following God's will, moving ahead. No matter how imperfectly we may have done it in the previous week. Family, Let's embrace the danger and know that God will continue to be worthy of our praise as God leads us through dangerous acts of worship.
2: I loved hearing that old hymn mixed with the new song kind of brings me back. I love
1: that. And I love the steel drums. That's uh, that's awesome.
2: Awesome. For sure. Well, if this is your first time here, this is the time for the response where you get to be an active participant in this worship uh, service. Can I say that still? You or can no? still say it. I'll I can still it. say service. Okay. Worship experience. Um, well, this worship. Let's just take out service. Uh, you can be a part, active part of this worship uh, by joining us on wholelife.church slash live, and you can submit questions. Um, we are a little bit short on time, so I'll keep it very quick. I did want to mention that I didn't wear a soccer jersey. This is actually our Pathfinder uh, <laughs> uniform, if whatever, you are new here. <laughs> whatever. I mean, I like Orlando City soccer, but it's, it's the Orlando City Pathfinders. So, <laughs> just so you know. Way to wrap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't come and uh, ready to play soccer, but I'm, I'm usually pretty much available for that, though, if you need <laughs> anybody. Um, so, the, uh, <laughs> the the question here comes in of saying, hey, um, all of these promises sound really great, but I'm someone who's wounded. Uh, how come I haven't been healed? What kind of response can you say to that? Like, hey, I've done everything. I I feel like I'm an active part of worship. When do I get healed? Wow. I wish I knew.
1: Mm. Um, all I can, I can't speak. I don't know what the wounds are in this person's life, and I don't know the story. Um, I can just speak from my own experience, which probably not the same experience that this person has and just tell you that um, some wounds last a long time and they take a long time to heal. I think there's some wounds that may not heal until Jesus comes back. Mm. Um, but I have faith that, that they will be
2: healed then if that's when it will have to be. It, it, like you were saying in the sermon, we're not always promised safe passage. Yeah. The whole way through. So it could be eventually we'll get our answer. There's not always an answer we like to hear, though, either. No. No. Um, so one, that one, you answered that a lot faster than I thought. So we have time for one more. Um, and so me <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, this is going to be a long discussion. I could feel this, but, but no. All right. All right. So Trofina asks, this will, this will be the last one. If you still have more, please feel free to submit them. And we answer them during the podcast. Uh, this one comes from Trofina, And how can we be more verby in worship here at Whole Life?
1: How can we be more verby? I love it. Um, you can be a Chrysia. You can, you can come up with an idea to help people in our community. Um, you can be a Tomas that, that helps with Pathfinders. Um, you can be a person that helps out with our children's Sabbath schools. You can, um, you, there's just, there's, there's so many ways. You can do your job with excellence um, to the point where people want to know why you work hard when everyone else isn't. Um, you can do all those things and be more verby. Um, but I do want to say a quick word, and I think this is really important. Soccer players sometimes get winded and have to sit out for a little while. They just they have to sit on the bench. They get worn out and tired. And I just want you to know, if that's where you're at in your spiritual walk, that's okay. If you need to catch your breath, catch your breath. Um, you do know good to yourself by wearing yourself completely out. You, do know, you really don't help the gospel message by working to the point where you're completely burned out and, you're not, and just can't recover. So what I want to say is there, there are seasons of life. You heard me say it with Chrysia. There's a season to be doing things. There's a season to sit on the bench. But my main point to you is the whole point always is to get into the game at some point, at some point. And there's some times where you just need to sit in a church and experience worship that heals your soul for a little while. You just want you, you've got to do that to be able to get back. And if that's, that's okay, I want you to know I will never judge you for your willingness to do or not do. I'm just going to encourage you. If you're in a season, you're in a season. And that's your business. That's your walk with Jesus to talk about. Um. But I so I, I want to kind of make sure that's clear too. Out of this, that I'm not like everybody better be doing, it, or you're not really worshiping. Yeah. Um, it's, it's being where God wants you to be in whatever moment and season in life that you're at, and that's between you and
2: God. Well, thank you for saying that because I was starting to get a little bit stressed out during the sermon about my I figured doing you are, I, I know you're
1: yeah. f- thinking I don't do enough, Stanley, and I was going to talk enough. to you about that <laughs> afterwards. Yeah.
2: I'll be doing more a little bit. I'll be doing more. I haven't done. I've been up here in a month. I'm um, sorry. Yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, uh, thank you so much, Ken. And again, look for that podcast. It's called This Is Whole Life. And it's available everywhere that podcasts are heard. It comes out Wednesday morning. And uh, check it out. I think there'll be a lot of great discussion on there. Cool.
1: Family, November 12th. Um, we are going to live worship. We are going down to Exploria Stadium downtown, um, and we are going to provide help that many unsheltered, homeless people are needing. So I want to invite you, November 12. Please put that on your on your on your agenda to be there. There's, we're not going to be we're not going to be here. The cool thing, by the way, is we're going to be doing this service on the field at Exploria. So we're going to have the big jumbotron. It's going to be pretty cool. Um, and and what we really, really, really need you to do. I know there's a tendency to be like, I'll wait to the last minute and sign up to help just to make sure that my schedules, things don't change. We're hoping to serve at least 500 unsheltered people. So our ability to help is dependent on our ability to have the volunteers there to help with that. And no matter what your gifting is, we have a place for you. If, If all you do is come and just talk to somebody, and eat a meal with somebody. You know that unsheltered people, one of their greatest hurts is that people won't look at them and see them. If you just go and see them, you've done something significant. Um, There's a lot of ways to help. Just invite you to please be a part, and that is going to be our verb worship, November 12, all right? Um, In between now and then, we're gonna talk to you a little bit more about why we do our services the way that we do them and give you a little bit more background on that. And I look forward to those uh, hearing from Tammy next week and Richard the following. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We wanna love you better. We wanna worship you more. We wanna adore you more. And we know that the adoration that you love most is the adoration that says, this is what God's doing in my life. Don't you want him in yours too? Lord, for those who are wounded right now, I pray that you would bring healing pray that you bring a sense of your presence. And I pray that we would all leave here knowing that you are able, that you won't let us down. We pray in your name.
0: Amen. I love you, family.
1: God love your world.
0: Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, And our podcasts, Speaking of Grace, and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the whole life takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife